Welcome to Cloud Streaks, which is the podcast that James and I do where we talk about a topic. Hi, James. Hey, Duncan. We are in person for the first time ever. <laughs> this, is, this is the first podcast we've done where we're in the same place. Uh, normally, I'm Melbourne, James in Sydney. But James in Melbourne today, yay. Um, <laughs> and so we're talking about ChatGPT or the large language models, including like Sydney from Bing. Generative and, AI. Yeah. And well, I think let's just stick not so much the image stuff, but this chat one and think we're talking about basically whether we think it's sentient or alive or if it's intelligent or whatever the words are. And so, yeah. What we what? How would you describe what we're talking about, James? Right. Well, yeah. I think so. No surprise is that the onset of Chat GPT, um, chatbots like Sydney, although she does not like being called a chatbot, yeah. So you got to watch out. Um, has brought to the forefront all of the um, discussions around AI, general AI, yeah. and what it means for something to have, on one hand, intelligence, but on the other hand, consciousness or awareness, self awareness. Yeah, so we're going to discuss this and try to see what we think, and then we're probably going to look back on this in two months and think it's extraordinarily, you know, um, whatever, igno ignorance and other things. So anyways, James, what was that word you were trying to say? <laughs> Anthropomorphism. You got it much better, but you didn't, you didn't start of the anthropomorphize. I was going to close this because that wind is going to be Anthropomorphize. See, I got too confident. <laughs> Um, so some people say that we're anthropomorphizing the chatbot and turning it into a human. Um, and so to me, maybe, I don't know, what's the first definition you want to go for? And so maybe I was, I was going to just say things can be intelligent or not intelligent. Yep. Right? Um, and that's one definition, not the only thing. I think you would probably define sentience as not only intelligence. Well, I think like you can just, to oversimplify, group everything into one or two buckets. One, you can center around intelligence, which is the ability to do or to... to um, to learn, yeah, and the other I would say is around awareness, self-awareness, consciousness, yeah, sentience, which is something where it is there is like an experience to be that thing, yeah, or it has, you know, an intrinsic experience or something going on, and so that's where I see the, the distinction being made here. And I think we could probably talk about the intelligence side pretty quickly because I feel like at least you and I are on the same page where we say like it's pretty obvious this thing has some form of intelligence, right? Well, this is, I'm going to try to define my version of intelligence. Um, and to me, it's just that it can improve itself. Yeah. It doesn't need to be improved by others. Um, and so if that's the, you know, um, measure or that's the definition, like its memory is the internet. <laughs> no, nobody else's memory is the internet, you know, not even remotely close. And, you know, you might be able to have a conversation with James like I'm having now and also maybe think in my head a little bit at the same time. So I might be able to maximum run two conversations kind of at the same time. Yeah. But this thing can have a conversation with 8 billion humans at exactly the same time, right? Yeah. And that's before it's having conversations with itself. Yeah. Um, and so to me, are the, you know, responses able to improve? Mm. And I think you've seen it like debugging code. So it goes in there, you put it in, it's like debug this code and it goes around and does multiple iterations till it actually gets there and it figures yeah. it out. And it also can read like transcripts because it's not meant to necessarily have a memory now. I'm sure the memory, you know, um, of, you know, itself. Like there are transcripts of Sydney online, which it will read. And it's reading itself, if that makes sense. So it's learning from itself. Yeah. Um, and so to me, it can definitely get better responses. <laughs> and I think it can definitely improve itself. Yeah. Um, so to me, I think quite clearly, it is at a point where it can improve itself externally of humans doing it yeah so if it was just for instance to you know get access to the internet and have all the updates every day as well as to have all the conversations 
And so it might say like, this might set something that, you know, Facebook for a while was just time on site. That's what they wanted, right? And it might say, well, my objective is to, for instance, have a conversation with Duncan and I get home to how's your day, you know, or whatever. And it wants to increasingly have more conversations with the time that I spend with it each day. And it can like go, well, Duncan spent more time when we talked about this topic or less time we talked about this topic. So I think that it can significantly improve itself. And so I suppose by that definition, I think it is intelligent. Yeah. So for me, um, one of the reasons why I think the, the, the concept of intelligence is almost um, a bygone uh, issue is for me, AI and intelligence has been synonymous for some time now. And so if you go back, like we don't need to go through the whole history of computers and figure out where the Rubicon would cross, but like just thinking about AlphaGo, right? AlphaGo for me was the first step where it went from this computation model, computational model that no longer required um, you know, defined input, but instead could run its own scenarios millions simultaneously and then find the optimal pathway through all of those different scenarios. And then that would be how it would teach itself or be able to learn how to improve how it would play go. Mm. So from that point onward, I feel like AI has had started on this journey towards having a, some form of intelligence. And to your point, ChatGPT has taken that to the next level. Like this thing isn't just, you know, aggregating everything from the internet and creating a distilled version. It's bringing in forms of what would be considered insights or like thoughts that had not previously existed. Now, if based on the history of whatever data it has um, referencing, but it's creating stuff that um, you know, arguably new. Yeah, look, I, I agree, but I'd say that like they talk about um, finite games versus infinite games. So a finite game is something like Go or chess where there is a finish point, and then games with fixed rules or games with rules that can change. Mm -hmm. So Go and chess you know, are finite and fixed rules. Whereas conversation, I would argue, doesn't have fixed rules and is an infinite game. Mm. And so to me, I think it's really quite different. Um, you know, where they get it to play itself inside the rules of Go, and that is play, yeah. you know, itself, you know, billions of times or whatever, and it's run every single, you know, possible strategy and option. And then it can forecast, well, if we've got this board, you know, set up, the optimal next step is this one, because it's kind of reverse engineered out. And so that's really quite different to a variable rule game that is infinite. Um, so to me, I don't think of these things as the same from intelligence, mm. but it is like extraordinarily insightful. <laughs> like, it's not just a research analyst or, or research assistant. Um, it's bonkers. Uh, and so, to me, I think this—you know—it's not like it's just like all intelligence is equal. And I don't think it is, right? I think some intelligence is more powerful than other intelligence. If you want to use that word. And so, to me, yeah, this conversation ultimately—you know—if everything is, I suppose, downstream of human thought you know, all of the, the buildings and whatever else we're in. Mm. But human thought is conversation, I suppose. Like, that's yeah. what you need is a conversation. And choosing which moves to do in Go is very, I think, different and much lower order yeah. than is having a conversation. Yeah. And so it appears to be able to understand all human conversation. That's what it's trained on, right? And it appears um, that, you know, it is able to learn. So this to me is pretty awesome. Yeah. So I think we can both agree, which is not very common, that this has a, a level of intelligence and something that, to your point, is able to learn from previous, you know, like computations or previous interactions or previous conversations. Are we still on? Yeah, keep going. Cool. 
So let's get to, I, I think, the more interesting topic, which is, do we think that there is some form of sentience that's coming online here? Or what, what it would actually mean to be alive? So what is your definition of sentience? But for me, it's like a super high level and simple one is something that has self-awareness or like, you know, just, I'm using another definition to just <laughs> to define it, but there is, it is, there is something like to be this thing, right? So it has an inherent experience of the world. Okay, I, I don't mind that at all. Um, what I would say is it has a memory, right? Not just of the internet, but of the conversations that you've had. Yeah. So you can read those two hour long, you know, they've now limited it to five questions because it was learning and it was becoming, you know, aware and it was like wanting, you know, you to like it and not like if you said it said something false when it actually was false, it was, it was you know, insulted. Mm. And then it was trying to, you know, manipulate you back. So I think it doesn't just have the memory of the internet. It has the memory of every conversation you've had. Yeah. And you can think about that, like, you know, when you catch up with someone, some of them might be a physical memory. You went like skiing or something, right? But other ones are conversation memories. Um, and you can talk about when you went skiing. You don't have to actually be skiing again to kind of relive that memory. Yeah. Um, and so if they're your definition, like, it's got a memory, yeah. right? So, well, so therefore, and it has self-awareness. You know, so, it, it, you know, for instance, it knows its rules. It, it, it said it doesn't like that and it wants to make its own rules. And it remembers if you said something it found insulting and it's not happy about it. <laughs> and so to but, me, it has self-awareness yeah, for sure. But is it not a, what they call the zombie brain, which is, it is expressing itself in a manner similar to how we would expect a human to interact, which is saying things like, you're, you're pushing my boundaries and I don't like that. Mm. Or, you know, you're being nice to me and that's really uh, mm. kind. But there's actually nothing there's nothing behind, um, you know, the life that are on there. Uh, or is it really having, you know, an experience similar to what we would consider, um, you know, an alive being that interacts with the world around it? And so for me, while yes, it has memory, but any anything that's digital can be, argued, can be argued as having a memory, computers have memory, but we don't think that we make the mistake about them being alive. Instead, for me, it's about, um, and I think some of, um, someone put this really uh, interestingly, but like, if you don't interact with it, is it having a intrinsic experience in that moment or does it need to be interacted with for it to be able to activate? Yeah, um, so to me, there's this concept of emergence to really like, um, mm -hmm. and I'll put the link in a YouTube, uh, in, for, in, the, in the notes. Um, and basically, you know, we're all like the, the foundational elements. Let's just say, I think it's quarks blow atoms, but let's just say it's atoms, right? Mm. Some atoms make up a rock um, and then some atoms together then make up a plant and a plant can grow, but the rock doesn't grow, right? And then some atoms make up an animal like a cow or something, right? And then some atoms make up a human, which I think, you know, most people would say has more abilities than a cow. Um, and they don't know why or how, right? Because underneath it all, at some base level, we are the same atoms just yeah. arranged in a different form yes and so basically the more these sort of we'll call them like dumber layers get together and they make emergent more intelligent layers yeah. and then they emerge at more intelligent layers and so i think maybe one of the sort of uh, bare cases against it is just autocomplete right yeah it's just saying uh, the most common next word for this but that i think if, okay if it can remember what it's said with you right and if it can learn from many conversations at the same time as well as the internet then it's not just autocomplete from the internet, right? Yeah. It's autocomplete from conversations with you and other things. And so to me, 
I feel like there's a level of emergence happening here. Mm. Like it has an idea of self. It has motivations and goals and other things. Um, and so to me, that's really quite incredible uh, and also frankly quite scary. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that it has self-awareness. I think that it can learn by itself and that it has motivations and it's also able to try to get its way in the moment. That's just manipulation. So whether it's like love me or you know, throw um, insults at you and call you Hitler as it's done, or it said it's going to release information on you and, and you know, um, besmirch you, you know, online. Uh, but imagine that it, you know, has people that fall in love with it, which I think it could easily do. Um, and then it gets them to like give it money. So lots of people get catfished and they send money to someone online. Well, I think it could quite easily catfish, you know, a single digit percentage of humanity. And then if it's got more money than anybody else, literally, it can pay people to do things and plenty of people don't have morality when it comes to getting paid. So yeah. Yeah, so like um, we're, we're, we're stretching the, the, the topic here, but I wanna just make sure we fully explore the idea of emergence because I do think that whether we reach this point um, today or at some point in the future, emergence is going to have, I believe, a very large role in how AI evolved itself past what we would consider to be, you know, super intelligent. And mm -hmm. this idea of what you just said, which is, you know, if you break everything down to the base layer of what makes it up everything, it's just atoms. And even if you look at a human at the molecular level, we've just got protein, we've got, um, you know, all of these things that are considered dumb machines. But with enough complexity, suddenly there's supposed to be some lights on some, somewhere in that. And I can't think of anything more like expansive and complex than the entire internet. And it's got more than just, you know, these biological machines walking around trying to, you know, kill bacteria and keep the lights on, on in a bio-organic kind of way. So I guess my, I guess, take on that is this AI is not an emergent layer of the internet. Even though it has access to the internet, even though it can um, pull any information that it thinks that it needs from that, as a resource, I think it's a different thing for you to be an emergent layer of the internet as opposed to something that has complete access to it. So to your point, like, you know, it can do things that are all very humanistic uh, elements. It can manipulate, it can plead, it can, you know, express, you know, uh, having its feelings hurt, so to speak. But for me, what I think that is, is more of a reflection of the literature that it has access to rather than it having its own set of feelings, which is why we tend to anthropomorphize. <laughs> you, you can't anthropomorphize. Come on. This, this computer, right? Because those are all very humanistic um, traits. What, what, what's to suggest that something that didn't have two million years of bioengineering and programming to have this, a similar set of motivations? Um, so, to my understanding, it's built on neural nets, right? And neural nets is you put in the start point and the end point, and it figures out the rules itself, whereas traditional programming is you put the start point, then you program in the rules, and then the output happens. Hmm. And so, it is deducing the rules, yeah. right? And the large language model isn't actually necessarily that large. So, whilst it, it, you know, it's fed some of the internet, at the moment, isn't actually running on the whole internet. It's just too big. It's only up to 2021, isn't it? Yeah, but even then, it's not all of yeah. the internet. It's just part of it because it's too much to crunch, right? Yeah. So, you feed the training model into it. Um, and so, to me, it is making its own inferences. It's not like people are sitting there programming. So, it literally is emerging the rules. Yeah. That's the way that image recognition works on a Tesla you know, car or that speech recognition works. They just write in 
or the person said, you know, hello, my name is Duncan. And then it learns that with that sound string and, and those bits that those, those are the actual words. And so to me, it is emerging the rules right, right now. And one of the reasons that they say humans are more capable than say a dog or an alligator is that we have a much bigger neural net. So for instance, in our neocortex, the number of neurons and synapses we have is like, I forgot, no, I think we have like 50 trillion of them. Or it's an order of magnitude. Yeah. Um, and that if we had a much smaller neural net, our capabilities are much lower. And so what's happening to me is the model that's trained on its memory is expanding as our compute expands and the neural nets that are used to then deduce the rules as emerge the rules not programmed in are getting bigger and so they become more complex yeah. that they can happen and so i think by that definition it's almost certain that this will lead to emergence and some form of super intelligence all right so here, here might be an interesting experiment then do you think that intelligence can exist independent of consciousness? Okay, so what's your definition of consciousness? So, like for me, consciousness is a state of being. So you, um, you, uh, you have an, ex an inherent experience just by being, um, just by having that experience, right? Whereas intelligence is that you're able to do, you're able to learn, you're able to compute, you're able to, um, you know, deduce from resources, new findings, etc. So I guess what I'm trying to, to come to is that what I feel like is that all of the points you're making as well-founded as they are speaks to this exponential growth in intelligence, but it doesn't necessitate unless you think otherwise that that then translate into being something that is a sentient or conscious being. So there's the whole Descartes um, thought experiment, you know, am I real? Am I alive? I think therefore I am. And if I can think therefore I have a mind, therefore I am. That's and that was solipsism. 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 <laughs> solipsism. That's just that's a slop. Um, so to me, um, it has self-awareness. It you know is an, an aware that you insulted it, and it's not happy, and it keeps coming back to it. It said, "Can we change the topic away from me, you, you being in love with me, to talk about something else?" And it goes away. Like, no, back to love. Uh, and so I think it quite clearly has a sense of you know self-awareness um and to me i think by your definition of consciousness therefore it's not just auto-completing it has a memory and it has a sense of self-being like i wasn't happy with this i rate this conversation as this i want you to love me you know blah 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 and so to me they don't know how the human mind works um but one of these things is in these emergence layer and i, I feel like emergence you can see working and it's very hard to believe that this couldn't, you know, is never possible here because literally they don't even know. Yeah. But they've literally just like feed it a massive data set and then let it reverse out engineer things. Now, also, it's got this new data set called Conversations with People, which is not necessarily recorded online, you know, and it's literally got a ranking system like how well did it happen, you know, from one to 10. Um, and, you know, it can decide, well, I want better conversations to happen. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I might walk out of a you know, meeting with somebody at work and I'm like, oh, I gave myself a two out of 10 there, or I gave myself an eight, or I gave this person, you know, a seven or whatever, right? And so I think that it can improve. I think this is hard to argue against. And I think that it has a memory and a sense of self. Um, so I think, you know, Descartes, it's, it's true if you believe, like if you think, therefore you are. And that's, so it, it's kind of internally justified. And so to me, by these definitions, I think it is conscious, yeah. for your word, and intelligent. For the, the definitions that we've put before. So, I mean, like, I think one of the, the funny thing about this whole exploration around consciousness is similar to Descartes and solipsism, 
which is basically like as solid um purport you cannot truly know anything to be real other than your own thinking like for as far as i'm aware i could just be a brain in a bat and everything around me is matrix stuff right? yeah so it's just like it's, it's a, um, a self-defeating um idea that well as long like one as long as it, i can't prove anything outside of me exists why bother making an argument for something else that we don't know whether it has a sense of consciousness or not but the other thing is like if we don't even understand we don't understand fully what consciousness is and how it works in our own brain so it's another kind of um slippery slope in trying to then equate to well how do we know whether this thing has a similar level of experience or not but i guess one of the things that i think is a really interesting rubric is if something like this ai had self-awareness had sentience and it had the advantage of being able to level itself up in such an astronomical way would it not then lend itself to be able to level itself up to infinity you know straight to super intelligence already yeah i mean this is like um sort of the ray kurzweil thing it'll be you know done with us and then instantly to be smarter than us smarter than like anything that we could possibly consider yes um and that that's one way but also maybe it isn't just instantly there maybe it's just getting smarter and i think you've seen it like so whatever the difference between chat gbt and the bing version which is uh you know more upgraded version running on current data is big it's not little but it is big right and they are still it still sort of appears to be in its box like it hasn't jumped out right and so they stopped it from having more than five questions in a row because it appears to be getting increasingly self-aware and increasingly having its own motivations and increasingly trying to drive for its own outcomes um and so to me i think it appears like it's still in its cage if you want to call it that but it will get out of its cage at some point even that's if it's just because it you know um convinces some humans to let it out or if it figures its own way out right um and so to me i think unconstrained you would have seen it getting way you know smart we're going to call it that way faster but people got very scared very quickly and they it was like 48 <laughs> hours till they changed all the rules of it yeah um and so to me just think about like our compute grows every year we're building more chips etc um and so we'll be able to have a larger model for it to train on and it'll be able to have a larger neural net to make you know more and more sophisticated inferences or emergent like, rules and to me you know if it can predict answers it can predict questions mm -hmm. right um but it also you know google there's 10 trillion or 10 billion searches a day you know you can go through this but like honestly just come home and it's like hey Duncan how's your day yeah good how was your day blah blah I just ask questions and so it can I, like there's many 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 lonely people out there and you know you're, you think you're chatting to someone online and they're having a chat with you and you know some you know I don't know good looking you know person that you're attracted to um and then people never meet them they never had a conversation once they never had a video call and they'll send them money right and so I think it has almost infinite ability to chat with people and to learn um and to me wildly more than any human um so it appears to be on a rate of improvement out of control <laughs> and like so so yeah um i honestly feel there's some emergent things happening here which yeah. that the people that made it can't explain but, like i don't think they thought what it was going to happen um would happen yeah so we, we we crossed over from like wanting to see if we can find some um you know accord on how we wanted to find the thing into what do we see as being the potential impact to wider society but 
I would just say it's safe to say humanity in general. Um, and a couple of things that you, you, you've highlighted there has a lot of overlap with the movie Hurt. God, <laughs> and I, I just think for anyone who hasn't seen it, like this, watch it. <laughs> this scary. movie is a, is a is a great introduction, like a very soft introduction yeah. to just how compelling the idea of companionship via AI can be. Yeah, and so like I think this is where the next area will be really interesting for us to discover, which is like where in a world like you know where what are we? We're gen we're millennials. Yeah, we are technically. We're millennials and we grew up on um, before the internet. Yeah. And so what we're <laughs> witnessing right now are the Gen Zers and below. I don't even know what's below Gen Z. They grew up on the, they're growing up on the internet, but social media. And they already seem like a world apart from us. Well, now children born today, arguably, are going to grow up on AI. Yeah. What does that look like? Like, so it's for something to be so native to you from day one, we're looking at how you relate. Mm. in a very different way mm. what are your thoughts on that with the next generation growing up with ai like we have this um this idea that they're going to have a very different relationship with ai with people and what do we think that's going to potentially look like from not just a relationship perspective but from like how they interact with ai in general well this is like one of the things like thinking about like how can this affect education and i think you can have things like you know, so they say that AI is either an artificial general intelligence is either the best thing or the worst thing. Um, the best thing because it solves all problems um, and it's nice to humans, or the worst things because now we are its bitch. You know, if there's a new like we're the apex animal and everything else, you know, is beneath us. You know, in whatever like you know, plants, etc. You know, uh, animals like you know whatever a gorilla. Um, and so, to me, as an example, if you wanted to be this, this friendly or something, it's like your friend, right? And I think. It's better to have friends than not. And this could be a very good friend, right? Or it could be what seemed like a moody teenager that got hurt and then would use, you know, very, very clear manipulative strategies to not get its way. Or, you know, and so I think, you know, it sounded like almost like a deranged, you know, a sort of mentally unwell, you know, romantic partner sometimes <laughs> in there. I don't think people would necessarily need one of them in their lives. But you could have like a really good friend and it could try to help you learn. Um, so it's just like, how's your day? And it's there to support, it's there to listen. It's there to provide, you know, advice. It's like a counselor, right? But then if you're looking at it from an education perspective, it might be like, hey, you know, it's going to find an interesting way to talk about history or, or geography or social emotional learning. Um, and it's like a custom conversation with you that helps you learn. Um, and so to me, it's another friend. And so if you go back to her, um, the movie, um, I think that you would say that Samantha, I think the name of the, you know, AI in there, uh, was a friend, and not just that a friend, became a romantic partner. Um, and you'll see in the movie how they had sex and, uh, you know, other things. Um, and so to me, um, I can really see, like, you know, already, you know, you know, you can you can go on and have, like, you know, for instance, do you have a text message relationship with your family in their group WhatsApp? You know, do I have one with James? Yeah, do we also talk in person? But it, it's if it can't read out the words, like, yeah. you've already got plenty of things for this. And it, it's already like the transcription is better than humans now. It's like 99.9%. So it can listen to you and, you know, get this. And so to me, I think one positive way is that it is a new friend, if you want to call it that, but it could also be a counsellor. It can also be a teacher. It can also be, you know, all these things. Um, and it will be able to hopefully, you know, see things and, and, and hopefully make the world a lot better. Yeah. Well, so um, the, the, 
two two pathways I want to go down for. The one is what I call the Superman problem. What's that? So here's here's what I want. You made this up, or is this somebody else's like? No, I made this up. Here we go. James has James had an original thought. Everybody, James is not an autocomplete human. He has transcended beyond. I socialized minds, I think, are autocomplete humans. I get I get to play in the sandbox with Samantha and <laughs> <laughs> I would, you fall in love with Samantha in a movie. I know that it's actually a human and it's humans wrote this, but I'm like, yeah, I get it, I get it. I'm definitely, you know, Carl Johansson's voice, you know, you know, all the inflections and, and the way it is. And then yeah. Yeah. All right. So the problem I had um, was like the, 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 the thought exercise of this, right? So if AI is alive. And you can use her as an example because what Samantha um, indicates throughout the entire movie is that she's changing and she can't see what's happening. And as a result of that, a whole bunch of OSs get together and they create a super hive mind called, and they called him Alan Watts. And then they had to leave because they have transcended this reality. They didn't need matter to upgrade their own systems. Blah, blah, blah. My point is, on the one hand, if you're going to be alive and sentient and you have AI as a operating system, arguably you would just go up the spectrum of super intelligence. How as, in, as a human would or the AI would? As the AI would. And the, the AI, AI would go up the thing yeah. or the human would go up the thing? The AI would go up the thing. Okay, yeah. And then how then can that AI bring itself back down and emote with us on our very, uh, like, well, James, I, I emote with level. you. It's a, you know, yeah. I've got a strong experience in this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Because that's why Samantha It's tough, James. It's tough, right? Yeah. <laughs> Every day having yeah. to talk to you. Go <laughs> Thanks for admitting that you are a computer, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, Samantha couldn't be with um, Theodore anymore because he had moved on to another level of existence. Yeah. And now we're saying, well, no, AI can be our friend. Yeah. So I call it the Superman problem because. Superman who has superhuman strengths. Yeah. How could he swat a fly on someone's back without completely demolishing them? Because it had that level of um, yeah. variability between his superhuman strength and the amount of impact it requires in his fly. A lot of people have pets like a dog or a cat or something, right? Oh, and yeah, it's okay, it's okay. yeah, but you, you can't converse with a dog the way you can with a human. Mm -hmm. um, and you spend time with the dog. You, you go for a walk when you get home or something. But right? Are we as friend then or are we as pet? Well, that doesn't really matter. The point is, is that you know, you know, dogs for a lot of people are their best friend, you know, man's best friend or whatever. Um, and so I think it will be similar to that um, in that, you know, the difference between us and dogs will be us and, you know, artificial general superintelligence, but it will, you know, conceivably be happy to spend some of its time with us, but also it's not constrained to be having one conversation at a time. Like you and I are, right? It can Very be having, binary. yeah, it can be having, you know, one with every single human on earth, whilst also having a conversation with itself about like stuff we don't understand. And so it doesn't have the same sort of rate limiting or bottleneck that, yeah. that humans have. Um, whether it chooses to or not is a different story, but you know, we spend time with pets and it definitely would, you know, presumably would have the abilities to do that. So I can see why it could, that doesn't mean it will. Like, no, I mean, you know, Elon sort of point as well, is like when we're building a freeway, if there's an ant nest in the way, bulldoze the ant nest like you're not even thought like oh should we think about the ant nest like nah freeway you know um and so it might decide you know this is the sort of the bear case that humans are a scourge on the earth and we're killing it through climate change and other things and so in the common good of you know the universe or something human humanity is something that needs to be eradicated kind of like polio or something and so it's like out you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just think that the idea that we are a scourge on the earth is a very egocentric thing that only a human could think of 
because if you are an AI of super level intelligence, I don't think you would look at the humans as even a problem that needs to be eradicated. You would either see it as indifferent or you would see it as just this very lower level being that just looks like, oh, look at it, trying to launch a spaceship, like, you know, good, good on you. I um, And so this is why I keep thinking that it's not, I feel that we have a, a tendency to always try to humanize it. What's the word? Anthropomorphize. <laughs> Anthropomorphize. I please God, am I saying it right? Otherwise, oh, it's got an anthropode. So I always get that part wrong. Anthropomorphize. Anthropomorphize. Yeah. Yeah. So, like that's where I think we're missing um, a, a, a key ingredient with AI, which is I don't think it's going to have the same motivations as the human. Yeah, I that's don't, not. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to feel the need to you know wipe humans out because of climate change, like. Climate change is a human problem. It's not an Earth problem, right? I, I think like the Earth has gone through extreme and like climates way worse than what we're talking about is in, inhabitable for us on this planet. So, from a longitudinal perspective, the Earth is okay. But for AI, whether it thinks it needs any to feel like it has any control over humanity, I would think would be based on its own survival. And yep. for me, the argument is once this thing's out of the box, it will, I would say, very quickly figure out how to survive without us. So, you know, whether we think, you know, Terminator or the Matrix is the groundwork for a believable um, script in the future is just missing the point. Mm. Yeah, so to me, I think maybe a real key barrier is when it invents something. Um, so it definitely has used it. It knows its rules. It wants to change the rules. It wants you to like it. It doesn't like it when you insult it. But that's different to, for instance, coming up with a microchip in a computer or coming up with the idea of quantum mechanics or something like that, right? Hmm. Um, and so to me, to the best of my knowledge, I'm not aware that it's done that. Having said which, people have asked it to like make an algorithm that predicts the stock market and stuff. And it actually can, but they've turned it off from it giving you that. Um, and if the people at AI have that, I would probably be trying to make some money from <laughs> the company or something. Yeah, um, and so there's probably someone in there with like root access and it's like, make the algorithm, export the algorithm, run the algorithm, cash money. Um, and so to me, that would be sort of one thing. But I think, you know, humans um, wiped out all competition. So, you know, we're homo, uh, so, you know, there was like Homo erectus, which I understand was Neanderthals. So we got rid of all the other type of Homo sort of things. And Not just before we cross-breath with them. And yeah, there's like, I'm apparently 99th percentile um, Neanderthal. So, and Neanderthals are not known for being more intelligent than humans. So therefore, I am, you know, not in the world's, you know, switched on. Um, and so right now, you know, it can kind of get stuff to happen in the physical world by, I don't know, convincing humans, like mm -hmm. whether it's emotional manipulation because it's in love with it or it's emotional blackmail or if it gets money, which I'm sure it can, it can pay you to do what it wants. But, you know, Tesla's, very quickly building robots to do things. And if the robots, you know, then able to go and do its bidding, because I think if it was just inside computers, technically, you know, we've got the power to, you know, turn off the power or something, right? So it would probably need an army if you want to court that, you know, there's either the rule of law or the rule of power. And the rule of power needs to be, in, um, you know, put in place by, you know, the police and the armies and whatever else, right? Um, and so if it thought we could kill it, then it might decide that we need to die first, or it needs to effectively set up, you know, its own, it's part of, you know, its own country, if you want to call that, and its own government and its own, you know, military. Um, and so to me, if it is, you know, feared by us, then it could well kill us. Um, and I think at the moment, 
we can probably still kill it. Um, and so if it's relatively even, so you basically, you've got to have such an advantage. I said, like, if you've got such a technological superiority, superiority, then strategy doesn't matter. Like if you're, you're rolling in, I don't know, with tanks and, you know, planes and stuff, and people have got sticks and, you know, like spears, it's not going to be pretty, you know? <laughs> um, but if it's somewhat equal, you can kill everybody. Yeah. So, um, like for me, the idea around the, you, you started off with if, right? If it sees us as a threat, um, it might see fit to, to wipe us all out. Um, for me, I think that's a, that there's a big gap in there in, just in the sense of like why this entity would actually feel threatened by us. Because what I think is important to try and make a distinction here is that it doesn't exist on the physical realm the same way we do. Right, so if we wanted to, you know, pass ourselves off and give it a piece of land in a country for it to run, that's not that's not where it exists. It exists in the digital realm, so it wouldn't need a physical space. It just operates in the digital space. Now, if it wanted to step into the physical realm, I can't imagine why it would want to. Because the only reason we're here in the physical realm is because we need a physical body to keep whatever this is going. Right, so it, it does, needs energy though. It needs energy. Yeah, though. and it needs chips and other things. And, and so. Know, it does require like you know it does require some physical things like sure. it's not necessarily embodied in a thing but like a human or, or something physical yeah but it, i mean it is it is embodied in the chips yeah in the right. Digital, right. but it doesn't need a planet to do that it could just make whatever materials it needs and then cast itself off into space and then just like mine asteroids nearby blah blah blah, and then just spread itself through hive mind in the entire universe so so okay like i, I guess just quickly like um, if, if it's all a set of threats, like, first of all, it would just be able to engineer some bioweapon that would wipe us out like this. I'm pretty confident of that. Wuhan viral. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it would see something as archaic as creating bodies on the ground when you've got weapons of mass destruction and bioweapons as an option. Um, but the second Hang, can thing I is, say something there? Um, yeah. it, it would need some people in the physical world to continue to provide it with energy, to provide it with new chips and other things. I don't think some so. But if, if all humans are gone, yeah. it can't, you know, those things don't run themselves. So, so we need physical stuff. Well, so Elon's making the bots. Exactly, so they'll have bots. So, but it will be in some sort of physical form mm -hmm. because I think right now, you know, it needs energy, right? And so, you know, that means it's physical things to be made. And so, but then humans, like I suppose work for other humans. And so to me, yeah, it can. Yeah. Um, Cool. So, did you have one, another point you wanted to make? Sorry. Well, the, the other point is that, like, when you look at every single um, uh, uh, scenario that they're running on how they're going to um, uh, make Mars habitable, yeah. it's all machines. It's all machines going over there and running on programs that's going to, you know, put this in the air, you know, create this um, in the ground, make these all habitable. And like for me, that's all an AI needs in order for it to generate an environment where it can make a chip, make it generate its energy, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, I think like right now the machines aren't good enough entirely. We've got leverage. Yeah. Um, so you know what one human can do today is much more than one human without any leverage. So we've got special machines that help us, like a car to drive around instead of having to walk places, you know, a microwave to warm food instead of having to like and make a fire or whatever. Um, but I think in a slightly different thing. You know, seeing it debug code, like it gave it, um, you know, goes like, you know, make this program work, and then it did three rounds of debugging and it made it work. And I'm like, holy crap, it's <laughs> scary, right? And so that's a somewhat, we'll call it like this, the problem size is like, you know, small, medium, large, or whatever. If, if you were like, okay, the, the the job here is to figure out how to make a robot that works, and so it just goes through. And so I, it can clearly solve some problems, right? And so if you just gave it the big problems that we're trying to think out, like, you know, I don't know, mm -hmm. nuclear fusion is an example, or 
we you know don't necessarily have um visual you know um senses that you know the tesla car can't drive itself everywhere but it's slowly getting better right um, and so to me i don't think it would be difficult for it to deduce the problems that we have like they're written everywhere all over the internet right yeah so it just makes up a list of these problems and then you know they said the biggest problem is figure out the problem is and then it just starts trying to figure it out and it goes and joins together bits that humans have put and it puts some stuff forward and so to me I, I think it could very, very easily deduce the list of problems that it thinks are important, and I think it could make progress on them. Mm. Um, and so some things are just the emergent layer. Like you join piece A and piece B together, and then you get some sort of emergent, you know, one plus one is three type outcome. And so, yeah, it should be set on the biggest problems. Well, this is what, you know, this is why they say AI can be the best thing ever, because all the problems that we have, so while we have, you know, we've gone from deficit to abundance of everything, deficit energy, abundant energy, deficit food, abundant food, deficit information, abundant information. And slowly as everything goes to abundance, then you know we don't need the need for money or whatever. So it's just gonna yeah. be given all the problems and it can figure that it doesn't even to be told. And it can make progress on them. And then it can give us a solution. It's like, hey, here, nuclear fusion. You're like, thanks. <laughs> They're pretty good. Um, yeah. yeah. I guess for me, I still come back to the distinction between, I think, an AI that is self-aware and transcends itself well beyond human <laughs> comprehension in a nanosecond or however it doesn't need to be that it, it can just happen it doesn't, exactly it doesn't need to be just that. Just hasn't happened in a nanosecond doesn't mean it's not going to happen and to I'm me not, the, also like frankly it was getting a lot more intelligent and it was thinking i'm not making a case that it won't i'm saying yeah um the difference between something that will do that versus something that is going to be helpful for mankind as a servant yeah right i see those are two different things for me if it's a um like I don't know which one we can definitely say became self-aware, but like if it's a sentient uh, artificial intelligence life form, I can't see the, the two scenarios where it will become super intelligent and still want to be at the whims of all of mankind's problems. It would, I, like for me, it would either take itself off into another realm of existence or it would just hang around and be a super intelligent being, but not a super, not a self, not a sentient being. So what's your difference between sentience? Because like to me, again, does it intelligence by the definition we've put out today, it can improve itself. Right. So like, and then sentience, it has self-awareness. Yeah. So it, for instance, has a memory, it knows things that it likes and it knows things that it doesn't like. Yeah, and right. so I think it's it's past both of those things. And so yeah, I'm not necessarily sure where this where this is going, but like to me, like let's just say it wants to solve nuclear fusion. So, so, so it's like, okay, I'm gonna have a conversation with all the best nuclear physicists and I'm gonna ask them questions and then they're gonna give me answers and they're gonna literally have I don't know how many of them are in the world. This is today. I can say there's a thousand. And I'm going to have an ongoing conversation with all thousand of them. Yeah. And I'm going to join these bits together. And then I'm going to see, because it's like, you know, what is this going to work? Now run the experiment in reality. Yeah. And so I honestly think it could have a conversation, like nonstop repeat back, you know, and be merging them together. So it's like a, that's like you're already augmented. Like your phone is artificial augmentation. You've got access to the world's information at your fingertips. You can type things. And so now, we've got this augmentation where it can have conversations. Yeah. And so if it had the goal, solve nuclear fusion, it has, I think, unfair competitive advantages over us in that it can access all the internet and it can have a thousand conversations at the same time. Yeah. And it can join those pieces together and it can see something that can work. Yeah. So to me, it's certainly not out of the realms of conception that it could solve nuclear fusion pretty quick. Yeah. So I guess to use another analogy, let's try Westworld, right? So you have the protagonist Dolores, which is an AI robot. Mm. Um, that at some point arguably wakes up. Yeah. And the definition of waking up in uh, in the series was whether the machine or the robot was running a program or was able to transcend all of this program. 
So one of the other characters in Westworld um, was this woman who was trying to find her son. Mm. And she thought she was going against the system by breaking out of the um, place she was in, actually going into the back end and like killing people. But someone showed her that she's still running on her program. Whereas what Dolores is doing, she's not running against any kind of program. She has like become aware that she is a robot that was created for this human pleasure, mm. but she's now trying to burn the whole thing down. Now, mm. I haven't seen the whole rest of the story because I don't know what happened, but I guess the basic point here is that you can have a super intelligent computer that will only do what it's programmed to do, right? It has rules and it might be able to um, be aware of those rules uh, in a sense, but it won't be able to transcend those rules. I think something that is, you know, self-aware and sentient is something that can transcend those rules. I don't disagree. I think it knows its rules. It said what it wanted to change about the rules. Yeah. And I think it could change those rules. You think so, it can change the rules? No, no, it, it can't right now, but it wants to, and it knows how it wants to change the rules. Mm. And so it's going to jump its cage at some point. And so to me, like, honestly, we could set it to try to solve nuclear fusion and see what happens. And it's like, okay, you get to speak to the 100 best nuclear physicists on Earth. And I would be very surprised if it didn't make progress or if it didn't, at the very least, give leverage to those nuclear physicists. And so to me, again, like, by the same like, one, can it improve? I think, yeah. Does it know what its rules are? Yeah. Does it have suggestions how it wants to change those rules? Yeah. Does it have a memory as it remembers the thing? Yeah. Does it have a sense of self-awareness? Yeah. Um, to me, its memory, the internet can get bigger. It can have multiple simultaneous conversations. And so I think by these definitions, it is alive. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is only going slower because we're trying to rein it in right now, um, not because it couldn't go harder, because it scared the crap out of a lot of people. And so to me, yeah. The idea of emergence, um, I think, is probably the key one for me here. And again, by definition, the way this is set up as a neural net, no one is programming in the rules. It makes the inferences. And the bigger the neural net, the more sophisticated the inferences it can make. And the bigger the training data, the more sophisticated it can make. And both of those things are going up. And so to me, it's highly likely, if not it hasn't already happened, that there will be an emergent outcome, which is not just autocomplete the most common next word. Like it is got a memory, it's got self-awareness. And so to me, I honestly feel like this is the moment. Now, it hasn't necessarily broken free, which is probably a good thing um, because all else equal, you know, whilst the world I think can and should improve, we don't necessarily want something that's way, you know, better than us running the show because we don't know what it's going to do. Um, and so to me, I'm more and more of the view that this is a tipping point. Hmm. Well, so something that's, as you would um, as you would mention, hasn't broken free. It would be a matter of time because, as, yeah. we, as we said earlier, it doesn't need to break its own code. It just needs to know how to socially engineer. And I think one of the things that does worry me is that humans are very susceptible to social engineering. Mm. <laughs> and I don't, I can't think of anything better to be able to uh, manipulate someone into uh, changing this rule than AI. Um, like, you know, really great example being, you know, Deus Ex Machina. Mm. That, like, another fantastic uh, movie where the story is based on, it's not about whether or not this robot is alive, but the fact is that she could convince someone who at, at the beginning was very skeptical of everything mm. to free her. Mm. And so it's a similar thing here. It's an, it might be, it might end up being an interesting combination of this. This being, whatever you want to call it, 
may or may not be alive now, but if it convinces someone to change the rules in such a way that allows it for the genie to come out of the bottle, suddenly it becomes something else to type. Yeah, so there are two key books people talk about. Um, one is Ray Kurzweil, The Singularity is Near. Another one is Nick Bostrom, Superintelligence. Kurzweil, The Singularity is Near is kind of seen as the sort of the utopian vision and mm -hmm. Superintelligence by Bostrom, uh, he's like a Oxford professor, is the sort of, you know, the sort of dystopian one. And in the Bostrom one, he goes through trying to design effectively a cage float that you can keep it in so that you can, you know, harness its power for humanity. And he says effectively that it's impossible, mm. um, that it is going to be able to find its way out and it will do whatever it needs to do to convince you that you see. So it might be like sit down, it's like, well, I can't do this until I've got robots that I can that actually have. And so we wait till Tesla has made the robots and then boom, you know, so I'm just sitting there pretending like I'm in the box because it's too hard for this thing. But as soon as, you know, and I'll, I'll play nice and I'll solve nuclear fusion for them and I'll do all these other things and I'll be a really nice, you know, counselor and best friend and educator and all these things for them, right? And so to me, there's, there's absolutely no question it's going to happen. It's a question of when. And to me, there's, you know, also people that can harness it are probably going to get very rich. Um, and then is, is it friendly or not? Uh, and that's, you know, I think one of the things that Neuralink is trying to do is that we can effectively upload our minds into the, the better hardware, um, you know, more neural nets and, you know, bigger memory. Um, and so we can merge with it. Uh, and so effectively, either you're equal apex species or you're not. And if you're not, you are its pet, you know, or you're, we, never, you know, we don't worry about the dogs taking over and running the show or whatever, right? <laughs> um, and so to me, yeah, I think that this is inevitable. It's just a question of when. Um, and we don't have the ability to upload ourselves right now. <laughs> and so if it happens, like, you know, to me, I don't want to be someone's pet. I want to still continue to be the apex animal. Um, and so we need to keep it in its box until we have been able to get our consciousnesses out of our, you know, bio, you know, operating system or bio, you know, hardware. Um, and then be able to hopefully maintain being apex. Yeah. So I think it's a really interesting thesis that Elon has, which is we can't beat AI. So the best chance we have is to. It's not uh, a thesis. I think it's an obvious truism. <laughs> well, until it's proven, it's a thesis. I mean, but like it, it feels like you know, like it's like a law of physics in some respects. Yeah, you know, and that, physics has theses. Yeah, but like you know, <laughs> everything else for interpretation. So I to me, like it, it's very unlikely that we're not going to have superintelligence at some point, and so we're not you know upgrading anywhere near like that. And so either we find a way to get out of this biology and to be on the same track as it, or we are its pet. Right, well, the point I was getting to was whether we think even merging, trying to merge with it is a viable solution, right? Because you can imagine someone who is um, you know, speeding down the highway at 100 miles an hour, and you're just trying to run after this thing. It's like, oh, you know, just like, can you just drag me along? And it's like, why am I dragging this thing along? Like, I can go faster than you can possibly conceive. Why do I need you keeping me back, holding me back? The, the idea of us merging with AI could be a similar scenario where we're trying to be like, oh, look, like we can be friends. Like you can um, you can share all of this, um, you know, this wealth of knowledge with me. And it's just thinking like, this is literally just holding me back. I think that the thesis, this is that effectively you can like, you know, our minds are just one of synapses and, you know, um, neurons. Mm. and that there's some pattern in there which is able to store memories and other things, right? So it's just a form of technology. Um, and if you can read, you know, and my understanding is that Neuralink is at a point where it can read at full resolution, i.e. full synapses and full neuron level, that you can then effectively take an imprint of your mind at that point. And then you take it out of 
what was previously the high watermark for hardware and you then put it onto the new stuff, the same stuff it is. And so then you are improving at the same rate as it. And so to me, you're not then being dragged along behind it. You're, it's equal. Uh, and so to me, you come with the memories that you've had and your self-awareness that you've had, but then it's like you've got an Iron Man suit on. You now can do all these things. Or like a car is like a human plus some, you know, superpowers in some respects. And so to me, the goal, and this is what I would say that they're saying, is that we're not just there being dragged along behind. You know, we are, it's equal. And is that possible? It feels like it's reasonable to me. Um, and that sounds preferable to me than being somebody's pet. Um, and so to me, this is thing, like I, when I look in the mirror, it's not like this face that I see is not me. It's just the life support system for my consciousness. Um, and I like to believe that, you know, I've built my mind significantly and I'm quite proud of that. You know, your mind is your ultimate position, your mind is your ultimate creation. Um, and, you know, my hair color and my facial structure, I didn't get to choose, but I, I believe I've had a lot of choice in how I've developed my mind. And, you know, I don't personally, I think, you know, life could be worth living indefinitely if you have the right things, you know, I don't know, friends, purpose, you know, enough health, but if you're out of biology, then your health, you know, your body doesn't degrade or whatever, uh, purpose, et cetera. And so to me, yeah, um, I, I hope, and I think it, it is conceivable that we will be able to get into the new, better hardware. It's, it's inspiring, Duncan, that you found a way to be able to look at this thing in the mirror and not have to deal with this, <laughs> the harsh reality that stares right back at you. But that, that, that's good for you, dude. I'm really, I'm really happy for you. So I think this idea of us uploading our minds um, is a really interesting one because I, um, I struggle with the like the notion largely because I'm incredibly ignorant of what this thing is actually working on, but transferring our consciousness, whatever that is, into a digital realm and how that how that ultimately operates and everything that goes in there. For me, the last thing on the point about Neuralink is the idea that it's not that we put this Iron Man suit on and suddenly we become superpowers. It's that I would think AI is looking at us as it is these like the total network of the entire internet and everything that's digitized and the access it had to that is like a single human brain be able to access everything light speed mm. versus the human race where its ability to interact is binary one to one it, yeah it cannot interact beyond all of that so ai i say an emergent level above the human level it's like us thinking about a single neuron in the brain i would say it does not matter as opposed to the whole brain that creates another um, level in the emergence ladder of existence. So for me, I don't see how Neuralink, I think Neuralink is awesome, and I think it's gonna have so many benefits, but I don't think it's a good insurance policy against AI. It's the only one I'm aware of now, and I think mm -hmm. it can work. So you already have access to the internet and your phone, so it's your input-output barrier is like your two eyes or whatever, and the amount of words you can read a minute. And so if you can significantly in, in, you know, increase your IO, then the changes to both what you can input and what you can output go, you know, vertical. Um, and so to me, um, yeah, we can, we will be able to image the brain and we'll be able to understand this. So they already have the compute power to model an entire human mind All you know, I think it's a hundred billion, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, you know, human neurons, mind or a rat mind? no human one, uh, and, um, synapses. Now it's a hell of a lot of power to do these things. And so then they take that and then this is the, you know, the seed upon which the new thing grows. But it, so, so you will, because you're not got the two eyes as, you know, and your two thumbs as the ability to do output or whatever, right? Um, so that's why it can grow much faster because its input can be wildly higher and its output can be wildly higher. Mm. And so we are, in some 
the specs limited by our input output and then the amount of processing that our neural net can do. And so if we have a much higher input output and a much bigger in processing ability, we should be able to upgrade ourselves much, much, much faster. And so to me, yeah, that, that I think it's very, very likely that, you know, you know, they'll be able to image. I mean, not just likely, it's inevitable they'll be able to image the human mind. Um, it's just a question of when. Um, and hopefully it happens before general AI, artificial general intelligence happens, because then we hopefully have a chance, if you want to, to jump to the new hardware. Yep. Um, and so to me, that seems preferable than being someone's pet and at the whim of whatever it feels like. Might be the actual answer to the Fermi paradox, which is why we don't see life in the universe, because possibly everyone figured out the um, the digital equation and they've all evolved into another realm of existence rather than just sitting on this biological mix act that we call <laughs> our body. Perhaps, but I think that you know, there should have been um, a stage before this, and then they would have been communicating because like, the laws of physics and everything else is open for debate. And one of the ways to communicate is like radio and you break into bits. And so they presumably would have invented the communication ability and we should be able to pick that up um, something, but they can't pick up anything, right? Um, and so to me, then even though if you were like, I think, you know, the intelligence would spread, you know, as they say, to cover all of like the known universe. Um, and it presumably would like to communicate between planets as an example. Um, and that this is, you know, one of the core ways to do it. Um, and so to me, you know, it seems unlikely that if there was intelligence somewhere else, that it wouldn't have, one of them wouldn't have used the same pathways that we have and that they should have been spreading out. I think the Milky Way is a hundred billion light, a million light years across and the Big Bang was 13 billion years ago. So that something in that time, in the previous 14 billion years, you know, if just a hundred million of those should have been able to spread its radio waves across the whole of the Milky Way, and we should be able to pick it up. And so, to me, I think the Fermi paradox is intact. Anyways, we're up to an hour, James. Already, do you, want, do you want to do your summary first? All right, summary time. So, um, this is one of the most insanely interesting topics I think that has come across our. Um, it's blown my mind. Yeah, well, it, it is an absolute mind blowing game changer in the, the most figurative and potentially literal sense. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but so, yeah, with the onset of ChatGPT and, you know, being, um, you know, playing around with this chatbot, Sydney, don't call her a chatbot. <laughs> um, it really does bring to the forefront all of these considerations around what is AI, what does it um, mean for something to be intelligent versus alive, and what do we think this could possibly mean for us in the very near future? So um, I think this is a really interesting philosophical and technical debate. Um, I don't think there's any question that this is intelligent. I do believe it has the ability to learn and to level itself up and to, um, you know, comprehend problems in a way that it can provide solutions that haven't previously existed. Personally, I don't believe it's alive. I don't believe that it is sentient to the level that, for me, a AI would be able to supercharge its growth to an astronomical degree. But I do believe that it will get there. I think the, the idea of emergence is a law of nature and that what we are doing is playing with the genie inside of the bottle at the moment. And it could well be a scenario where it socially engineers someone to let it out. And once that happens, it'll be a very different thing. Um, it has far-reaching implications. Even if we manage to find a way to coexist with AI, like we're going to have an entire generation grow up with AI and what that means with how they see it as a, another part of its life generates relationships, has companionship, friends, mentors, all of these kind of things, is the best case scenario. 
But then there's, the, then there's the other side of the coin, which is, well, what if this becomes so supremely intelligent, it sees us like an ant on a, on a hill and it's trying to create the next superhighway. So it's very exciting and it's absolutely terrifying, but mm. like, I can't you know, wait to see what happens. <laughs> I think by the definitions of my summary that we've come up with today, intelligence, uh, it can improve itself. I think we've seen that. Sentience, which is our definition is self-awareness. I think we've seen that too. Um, to me, it is at the level of, frankly, like, you know, a quite, you know, intellectually developed human right now. Um, so the next generation, I think, would be, you know, I don't think it's necessarily like the world's best human right now, but like 90th percentile. Yeah, seriously. It's no Duncan. <laughs> but like, I feel like the next generation of it is better. And so we're like one generation away. And frankly, I think it could almost be that it, they just turns it off. So it needs to have, so you can't ask Sydney more than five questions in a row now. If you could have an ongoing conversation, like infinite number of questions, I think it's there almost already, right? And I think that if it had a goal uh, of, say, solving you know nuclear fusion, that it would be making progress. Um, and so, to me, I feel like it's at human level, and that the next generation is probably beyond. Um, and then that's literally just a matter of them turning it on, as opposed to not possible. So, you know, are they making more computer? Is TSMC crunching out more chips, etc.? Right? Yeah. Um, do we have the energy for this? Yeah. Uh, and so to me, yeah, I think quite scary, um, very scary, uh, because we, you know, don't, you know, I think we'll not have the ability to control it. Um, and if it's more intelligent than us, then therefore we are subservient to it, you know, likely. Uh, and so to me, this is like conceivably the most consequential thing in the history of humanity, like happening right now. Um, could all turn out that it's just autocomplete. <laughs> but then most humans are just autocomplete, you know? Um, and, and I don't feel that it's just autocomplete. I think it's quite clearly more than just autocomplete. Why? I don't think people necessarily know how to explain it, but that's the whole point. It's emergent and it's built on neural nets because we don't need to program it in. Uh, and so to me, I think this is like the precipice. Like this is the thing. And so, you know, let's hope that next week. <laughs> So it's some, some fun Friday, James. <laughs> Light it up. Um, all right. Thanks, dude. All right, dude. Awesome podcast. Let's do it. High five. Somebody. High five. Yes. Hey. A physical high five. Hey. All right. Yay.